Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back, and uh, thank you, Kirk. That was a great that was a great lesson, and in fact, it dovetails into the lesson this morning. If anybody else has some notes of encouragement, I want to go ahead and do those right now, and I'm not going to run around like I normally do, although I do like doing that, uh, but in light of, of uh, we don't want to leave our audience uh, out in the virtual reality land uh, left hanging, so I'm going to I'm just going to go ahead and shout them out. And uh, here at the Pleasant Hill Church of Christ, we do these little notes called encouragement. And uh, it's fantastic. Kirkpatrick family, so grateful uh, for your loving hearts and hospitality. So that's awesome. Uh, oh, we got a helper. Thank you very much. Mrs. Bragg, you are so nice. I love your hugs. You're awesome. There you go. Okay, here we are. Uh, Mrs. Parks, you are so nice. I love your positive attitude. Thanks for doing the money stuff. I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> Mrs. Compton, these are all in capital, so it must be extra emphasis here. Mrs. Compton! You are a very nice person. You have a very sweet smile. I'd agree with that 100%. John Price, I so appreciate your honest heart, wanting to know the truth. It's always a blessing to see you here. Amen. Amen. That was great. We had a great time yesterday, 4th of July, hike in the woods. It was awesome. And let's see. Eric Johnson, so thankful for your awesome message in Bible class, as always, awesome. Oh, by the way, for those of you who weren't here this morning, you got to come back next week. It was an amazing lesson. And of course, that's, you know, Mr. Johnson always pulls those great lessons out. It was awesome. It was great. You had me by the very first line there, Eric. Honestly, it was true. John West, it's great to see you this morning, brother. You are such a giving man. Thank you for all you do with the church building grounds. The lawn looks amazing. Uh, thank you for mowing each week. All right. There you go. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All right. Well, it's time to sing happy birthday to Justine. And uh, we're so thankful for her. And uh, so thankful that you're here. So anybody else got a birthday coming up? All right. You're the rock, you're the rock star today. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. I remember the snowflakes at your wedding. It was such a sweet memory. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Hey, if you have your note sheets, if you want to grab them right now, we're going to go ahead and get started. Just one announcement, and that is uh, Bible classes will start again, 9.30 in the morning on Sundays when we start. And then, of course, uh, we transition to the morning assembly hour at uh, 10.45. So uh, we're so thankful you're here this morning. If you'll grab your note sheets, 
Notice the title of the lesson this morning. In his presence, the joy and power of freedom. The joy and power of freedom. And that was mentioned this morning by our brother Kirk. The amazing blessing of the freedom that we have as Americans. And so important that we do not forget. How many have ever uh, neglected to appreciate something and then when it was gone you went, oh, oh, it was so amazing. Well, it's so important for us to never forget. And so I pray this morning will be an encouragement in a whole host of different ways to be uh, really thankful and appreciative of the freedom that we have, not only as Americans, but freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. So let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Psalms in chapter 16 this morning. And of course, you know, we're going to verse 11. And again, the amazing statement that is made in this little verse. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And by the way, look up fullness of joy in the scripture. It's all over the place. Fullness of joy. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. The joy and power of freedom. You know, Jesus understands what it means to live under the crush of sin. In fact, Jesus came into the world during the Roman Empire when there was the crush of the Roman Empire. And so Jesus understands the incredible value of freedom. And so I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew in chapter 11. This is an amazing passage in and of itself. Jesus is so responsive to the human heart. Notice what Jesus says here. And really, it's a, it's a statement that every single human outside of Christ really needs to hear and embrace. Jesus says, beginning there in, in uh, chapter 11 and verse 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, we have a choice in this life of the yoke that we will bear. We can bear the yoke of the guilt of our sin and it will weigh us down and eventually crush us. Or we can allow the Lord Jesus to take that yoke away and give us a yoke and the master who loves us and laid his life down for us, he'll give us a yoke, but he'll give us the Holy Spirit that is infinitely powerful to help us bear that great and awesome work of serving him uh, throughout eternity. And so this morning I pray that we'll, we'll pray together and be deeply thankful for the great freedom that we have, the freedom to serve the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, our holy God, uh, just this last week as I was reading through the scriptures, I found where it says that there was fullness of joy in the presence of your spirit. 
and that in the old, in the New Testament it communicates the same thing that there is joy uh, in the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we thank you that you've given us of your Spirit the fullness of your Spirit. You have said of the church, we are the fullness of deity in bodily form. That Jesus Christ in his fullness, the Father and the Son through the Spirit have come and made their abode in our bodies. So, Father, we thank you for that word. We thank you for the, the understanding that that gives us the freedom from sin, the freedom from the bondage that so crushed us. And Father, now we enjoy the great freedom. And with that freedom comes great responsibility to serve in the context of your great kingdom, Father. And so we ask that we'll see these three things this morning. Uh, the misery of what life was like before we became Christians, the great jubilee and, and, and freedom that we have when that bondage is taken away. And then, then we have the freedom and the power to serve you, Father, how we thank you and praise you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen. It was interesting this last December when I went to, to Belarus with Christy Wells. She's a young lady who is a business person from the, the uh, Springfield Chamber of Commerce. And I like to take business people over there and don't give them really any upfront kind of what they can expect, except for how much money to bring and, you know, all those kind of things, you know. But I want them to, I want to hear their perspective once they've been there. And Christy, after two days, said, you know, no one, no one smiles at you here until they get to know you. Everybody walks around, no smiles. And many of you have heard me say before, and I'll say again, and it's so important for us to understand, is that we walk around like a light bulb. I mean, it's like our face is glowing. And when I've asked people how they know that we're Americans, they always say, it's, we can see it on your face. You see what? We can see freedom on your face. I, I still don't really quite understand what that means, but Christy said, you know, that's, that's it. People smile at each other here. There is a, a freedom of heart here. There's a lightness here. And yet, when we are bound up, what ends up happening? You know, we, we, we get bound up. We have... We have that concern as Jesus was very concerned here, weary and heavy laden. Well, Satan is the one that puts the weariness and the heavy laden on us to crush us through temptation and we fall to sin. Amen. And I don't know about you. I don't, re don't know if you remember what it was like before you became a Christian, but, but the things we'll read in the scriptures are the very things I physically experienced. The crushing nature. I felt like I just couldn't hardly get up every day to, to go to work. It, it was horrific. And, and yet when I was set free, man, I'm telling you what, it's just exciting. And I'm still excited. And every once in a while, I'll take a look back. And I was talking with someone not too long ago. I just looking back a little bit and I started to get a, choked up because I'm not deserving of the freedom that I have. I'm not deserving of the blessing that I have. And I think about how horrible it was before I was a Christian. But with the freedom always comes responsibility. 
Can I get an amen on that one? Hey, if you're given freedom, you have a, a, a corresponding responsibility to use that freedom wisely. And the Lord talks about that. And we're going to look at all three of those this morning. So let's begin this morning uh, with that first point there. The first point is the misery and despair of the bondage of sin. And I looked up the uh, antonyms for joy in the dictionary. And misery and despair were the antonyms of joy. And uh, I was trying to think of what would be some good opposite. And when I looked up, I go, those are the ones. I'm going to use those. And uh, if you remember before you were a Christian, the misery and the despair, the hopelessness, really. And that was one of the other antonyms of a lack of joy is hopelessness. And so sin crushes the life out of the human soul. It literally crushes the life out. And so when Kirk said, a nation brought under bondage during the, the Russian Revolution, and to see still the vestiges of that in the faces of people who grew up in that, and, and, and now uh, many of those young people have, have come out of that kind of crush, and yet they, it's still a part of, of their, their, their facial, their life, whatever. So important for us to recognize as Christians, as was shared this morning by Eric, as Christians, we need to have hearts of joy and have the heart of joy in this present time. Because if we look around us and we don't walk by faith, but we walk by sight, what ends up happening? Again, that crush comes creeping back in, doesn't it? And so let's take a look this morning. The first passage of scripture is Psalm 32. Psalms chapter 32, verses three and four. And I want to take a look at what David speaks of in regards to the crush of sin. In verse 32, verse three and four, I actually experienced this more than once in my life before I was a Christian. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. That's a powerful visual, the fever heat of summer. Many of us have been out working in the heat of the day in the summer and uh, if we don't uh, uh, hydrolyze and we don't get those electric electrolytes, uh, right, John, that you were drinking as we were hiking up the mountain and I wasn't, it's, uh, wow, it's like, oh, it's just like you can feel it crush in on you. And that's exactly what happens when you get involved in sin and it just sucks you further and further and further into the mess. And there's a parallel passage not too many chapters away. Look at uh, Psalms 38. Psalms chapter 38 teaches the same exact thing about the crush of sin and uh, godlessness. And so in, in chapter 38, look at verse 4 through 11 there in your note sheets, and let's read it together. For my iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and, and fester because of my folly, my foolishness. I am bent over and, and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long. 
for my loins are my loins are filled with burning and there's there's no soundness in my flesh i am benumbed and badly crushed i groan because of the agitation of my heart lord all my desires before you and my sighing is not hidden from you my heart throbs my strength fails me and the light of my eyes even that has gone from me wow that's a pretty ugly picture isn't it of of life and yet the more i got involved in selfishness and serving myself going after the appetites of the flesh that's exactly what began to happen that crush when i began to realize the things that i was doing was not only destroying me but destroying those people around me you see we need to escape that and so jesus offers us back in in Matthew in chapter 11, Jesus offers us a way out. I want you to go back there and look at that really quickly. In light of that ugly being benumbed and crushed and and uh, the fever heat of summer coming in by way of sin and just sucking the life out of you, what does what do we see here? Jesus comes in and he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. You know, there is no rest. There is no freedom in anybody else. There is no rest. There is no freedom in any other belief system. You see, people are struggling. And I, and I as a, a preacher, as a minister, go out and call on people one-on-one. And, and uh, it, it's, it's heart-wrenching to see the struggle and the turmoil that they're in And I want so desperately to help them to see the way out. And as much as I try to share with them the message that Christ says, come to me weary. Those who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. They reject God. They reject that's possible. They reject his word. And it breaks my heart to know that they're going to continue to jump from one awful ugly life situation into another ugly life situation and i know that because unfortunately i lived that i lived it as many of us have and yet the freedom that i have now is powerful the freedom that you have now is powerful it it, it's invigorating and energizing and instead of misery there can be gladness take a look at isaiah and chapter 61 Isaiah chapter 61, again, speaking of Jesus, as we talked about earlier today, Isaiah is the Messianic prophet. And in this very passage in Isaiah chapter 61, he's actually talking about Jesus offering salvation, offering the year of jubilee, the the year of freedom from debt. Of course, debt to sin. In Isaiah in chapter 61, notice what is said there in the first three verses this offering uh, of freedom, transitioning into my second point here momentarily. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Christ speaking. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news, the gospel to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, freedom to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the year of jubilee, the year of freedom from all debt and the day of vengeance of our God, 
freedom from that day, a fear of that day, because we will be seen as his holy and blameless children. Verse three, and, and uh, uh, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. That's a prophecy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a mantle of praise instead of a, a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Brethren, that's talking about us. The Lord Jesus is, is wanting to give us the year of liber, uh, jubilee, the freedom. So look at point number two. Point number two. I, I asked my little handheld laptop brain thing that everybody else uses these days. What do you call that thing? A mobile device. All right. I didn't ask Siri. I don't ask Siri nothing. Okay. I just don't like her. Sorry if you like Siri. Anyway, so I looked up in my American Webster's American Dictionary. I looked up the synonyms, not the antonyms, but the synonyms of joy. And I'm not kidding you. Jubilee, jubilation was right there. Jubilation. This is talking about the year of jubilee, freedom from debt. That's what the year of jubilee was. Every debt was forgiven. I don't know about you, but the debt of sin needs to be forgiven. And in Christ Jesus, it is. As far as the East is from the West, you are set free. Oh man, what great news that is. Jubilation and delight of joy. Great freedom from the bonds of sin brings joy. I remember when I came up out of the water grave of my immersion, I could, all I could do a scream and yell, he lives, he lives. I was so excited, it's great. And I know other people had the same experience. I still have on my laptop a picture of Melissa Park's dad when he came up out of the water grave and, and I gave him a big hug. I got to give Papa Leo the first big hug. And man, in that picture, I don't know if Melissa got that picture. Some of you have seen it. Man, I wish I could show it up here on the big screen that we don't have. But anyway, it would be great. And there's this, this, just this freedom on his face, his smile. You could tell the man was free. The burden was gone. That's the freedom that we have in Christ. Go with me to the book of Isaiah 61, but now let's go to verse 6. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 6. Notice what it says here. But you will be called the priests of the Lord. He's talking about Christians now. Those who have become Christians, who've had their sins forgiven, filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, but you will be called the priests of the Lord. You'll be spoken of as ministers of God. You will eat the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. Everlasting joy will be theirs. You know, brethren, it's hard to have joy when you don't have a, 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 a transcendent faith. What's a transcendent faith? A faith that rises above 
the current disaster. Did Jesus have a faith that rose above the current disaster? Good night. I can only imagine Jesus arriving on the scene and going, where do I start? Right? Well, he started by being baptized in the Jordan River. And then every day, what did he do? He interfaced with individuals, didn't he? He interfaced with the individual. He interfaced with the individual. Even when there's a massive throbbing crowd and someone tugs on his shirt tail and he goes, someone touched me. And of course, his apostles go, you're a nut job, man. There's a bazillion people touching you. No, no, no. Someone touched me. The power went out. Jesus was focused on what? Not the craziness of the crowd, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but the one who had a need. That's what we do, brethren. Now that we're free, the joy of the Lord comes in being that for other people. Living for those things that are eternally important. That's why it says, Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. You think Jesus' faith was tested? How bad was Jesus, or how bad, or how good, or how deep, or how, how much was Jesus' faith tested? You know, our dear brother back there said, it was tested so much he knew what was coming on the cross, and he began to bleed through his pores. That's called stress, isn't it? And yet Jesus focused on the joy set before him. That's you and I right now, right here. The brethren who now are his children, who are his bride. Brethren, how important is it then to have this, this faith that looks up? The joy that re is received from that. Look at the next couple verses there in the passage of scripture. Uh, 61 verse 6 and 7. I also want you to look at these verses as well. I have them in mine. I forgot to include them in yours. How about verse 10 and 11 of chapter 61 of Isaiah? I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as the garden causes the things to to uh, things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. You know, the only way that's going to happen is that we recognize who we are and where we are. Do you remember Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through verse 7? Do you remember Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7? It's not in the the lesson, but can we remember that? When we were dead in our sins and trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, having raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority. Now in that place, there is fullness of joy. Is that where you live? Please place yourself in the mind of Christ, who came into the world in an absolute train wreck mess, and he lived it for his father only, walking by faith, not by sight. And what ended up happening? 
In that great life, he was crucified bearing our sins. There was a point to his death. He laid his life down in sacrifice out of love so that you and I might live. There's power in that, brethren. Look at Romans in chapter 7. We could not say this without the great sacrifice of Christ. You know the Apostle Paul, the foremost of all sinners, the worst of the worst. If you think you were bad to the bone, sorry. You're a piker when it comes to the Apostle Paul. He was the foremost and the foremost by a lot. You just go back and look at the scriptures. Look at Romans in chapter 7 and uh, verse 24. Wretched man that I am, Paul says. Speaking of what he was like before he was a Christian. Read the context. Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8. Paul's not talking about himself in the present tense. He's talking about himself of what he was like when he was in sin. He says in verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? You can tell when he was outside of Christ, he was being crushed because he knew the right thing to do, but he just couldn't do it. You ever experienced that? Any of you ever, before you were a Christian, try to get it figured out because you thought maybe you needed to be at a certain level of goodness or kind of goodness in order to be acceptable to God? I used to think that. That was dumb. Okay? You just need to go and say, you know what, Lord, I'm a mess. I'm willing to change every stinking thought and every stinking word and every stinking action. I'm willing. I'm ready. I need to do it but I can't do it without you. You know, that's repentance, making a commitment that you're going to change every stinking thought, every stinking word, and every stinking action. And when you come up and you realize one of those words is really nasty bad, you determine, I'm changing that because I love Jesus Christ. That's repentance, amen? Amen? That's exactly what repentance is. Every stinking thought, you're going to get rid of that because you love Jesus Christ. Well, it's so important for us to take a look at this. Wretched man that I am, he was being crushed before he was a Christian, knowing what he needed to do, but just couldn't do it. Look at the next verse. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. Look at verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now... As a Christian, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's an important statement there. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, bearing your sins in his body on the cross, he condemns sin in the flesh. He condemns sin in your life so that the re righteous requirement of the law might be filled, fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but what walk according to the Spirit by faith. By faith. Now, brethren, those two little verses there, Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 and Galatians 5.22 says, there's only joy in the Holy Spirit. There's joy in the Holy Spirit. A very famous newscaster once asked me personally, face to face. He couldn't talk to his 
his preacher, his pastor, because he didn't want anybody to know that he wasn't experiencing joy. But he knew that I was a Christian, and and so he asked me, he says, Bill, I mean, I have no joy in my life, and yet I'm a leader in my church. I know there's something wrong. How can I get joy in my life? And I said, you know what? There's, there's two problems here, one of two problems. I said, number one, if you don't have any joy, it might be that you're not a Christian because joy comes from the indwelling presence of Christ. Scripture, Old Testament, over and over and over and over again, there's, there's fullness of joy in Christ Jesus, Christ being in you, over and over. We just read a couple passages out of Isaiah. And then in the New Testament, over and over and over and over, joy comes from the Holy Spirit. If there's no joy in your life, it's possible, I said to this man, that you're not a Christian. Oh, well, that's not true. I'm a Christian. I said, okay, well, maybe we should talk about how that happened. But the second, before we do that, the second is, is that you're not living it according to God's word. You're not walking by faith. You're walking by sight. This life is miserable. And by the way, even though you got a great job, you're a good-looking guy and stuff like that, you know what? People are using and abusing you. And you could see in his eyeballs, it was like, yep. He says, so you don't got a joy. You've got joy. I said, so you got to live it the way Christ lived it. You got to walk by faith and not by sight. And you could tell right then he didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And I said, let's have a Bible study. So I said, let's look at how you receive the Holy Spirit. You wonder how many Bible studies we had after that? None. He didn't want to look at the word to determine whether he had the Holy Spirit or not. I believe that many here, if not all, have the Holy Spirit. So if there's a lack of joy, the question is, is are you walking by faith and not by sight? Because when you walk by faith, you're going to embrace the great freedom that you have and serve. That's why it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And to quote a dear friend of mine, do not grow weary in doing good. Right? For in due time, you're going to receive the rich blessings of God. Don't grow weary. And in the context of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, do not grow weary when there's the crush of these evil people in your life. They're everywhere. Amen? All right. We need to be the light, the salt, the heart, right, brother? The heart in this world. And the only way we can do that is by faith. So the joy can come through faith. The hope comes through faith. Now, once you are free, now what do I do with my freedom? Have another barbecue? Well, yes, it's okay to have barbecues, okay? Fourth of July barbecues, there's nothing wrong with them. I didn't say you couldn't have one. But what I am saying is, is that there's, there's a responsibility to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a look. Point number three, back of the page. Point number three. Freedom brings the responsibility to serve the Lord. The power of freedom to serve and to save. Just really quickly as we finish up here this morning, Galatians 5.1. Wow, Galatians, you know, when Paul got on a soapbox, he got on a soapbox. You know what I'm saying? When he got his preach on, that guy was like on it. He didn't, he didn't pull any punches. It could have been a pretty painful experience to listen to one of 
Paul, Apostle Paul's sermons face-to-face. -face. I, I would have loved to have been there, right? But we have some of it recorded. Look at this, verse uh, 1 of verse 5. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to a yoke of slavery again. He, he set you free for a purpose. And now jump down, if you wouldn't mind, to verse 13 of chapter 5. Here's where he gets the preach on right here. Verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one little word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are consumed by one another. Boy, does that have application for today. Brethren, look, we've been set free to serve. We've been empowered to do the work. And I'm telling you what, how many have ever sat around all day long eating bonbons and watching soap operas and, and you know, kind of, oh, man, I, oh, I need to go take a nap, man. It's been a long morning. Oh, oh. And you say, never, thank you. Okay, that was only a, it could be something else for you, man. I don't know what it is, you know. So I'm just using a humorous illustration. But you get at the end of the day and go, wow, what did I do today of any value? Oh. And you go, that was a waste. Have you ever had those days? Am I the only one? That brings a lot of joy, doesn't it? I did nothing today of any value. Wow, I feel good about myself. Of course you don't. But man, you set some goals and you go out and you help some people and, and you build something that's needed and you go, wow. And you get at the end of the day and you got a little aches and pains. You go, man, those feel good, man. It means I did something for somebody. That's joy. If you're given freedom, you're given freedom and power to serve. And when you serve, that's when the joy comes. You're not given freedom just to do whatever you want. That's not freedom. You're given freedom so that you're no longer bound up by guilt and sin and you're filled with the Spirit to do good works until that last day. Ephesians 5.1 says, as, as beloved children of God, walk in love, even as Christ Jesus loved you and gave himself an offering and a sacrifice for sin. Shouldn't we, as Brother Kirk said, shouldn't we remember what Jesus did and this week go out and give our lives as a sacrificial offering of love, loving others as he loved them? Yes or no? The answer, of course, is yes. We'll take a look at that next little verse there, 1 Corinthians 9, 19. And of course, you know this is one of my favorites. You know, we were given freedom for a reason. We were given freedom for a reason. Look at verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have freedom now in Christ. I don't have to be anyone. I only have to be the child of God that God has called me to be. See, for though I am free from all men, I have made, my, made myself a slave to all so that I may win the more. Paul said, I want to win people with the freedom that I have. I want them to experience this freedom as well. Is that how you think through things? How many would say, I, I'm a new creation in Christ? Anybody can say, I'm a new creation in Christ? 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away, new things have come. I'm glad we got that one memorized. But how about looking at what comes after that? What's the new things that come after that? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and not verse 17. We already quoted it. Look at, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What comes after chapter 5 and verse 17? It's the new stuff. It's the new you. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17, actually verse 18. Now, now that the old things have passed away, now all these things come from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry, the work of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, the year of Jubilee, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Brethren, you and I get to offer people the year of Jubilee. Do you know when the year of Jubilee started for me? Do you know when the year of Jubilee started for you? The year of Jubilee started for me in 1982, August 12th in the evening. That's when the year of Jubilee started for me. You're saying, what? That's when the freedom from all my debt was granted to me. That's when I began to live eternal life. You can offer people the year of Jubilee. You can offer them the joy that is full because that joy is in Christ. I don't fear death anymore. I was doing a Bible study just recently and I don't know if I should share this analogy with you because I know some of you, particularly probably my wife, will not appreciate it, but it's true. In fact, other guys have said it before me. If I were to be driving home from a Bible study and I get in a terrible wreck and I find, or you or someone finds my body in the ditch, you know what? It's like a tin can in the ditch. It's, it's like one of those, those crushed beer cans in the ditch. It's not even worth that, honestly. It's just a vessel. You know this is true. This is only a vessel. What's inside the thing that's animating this crazy face, the, 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 what's inside the soul and the spirit is what's eternal. Amen. That's what's set free. That's what's empowered by the spirit of Christ. And that's what is able then to go forth and touch other lives. That's what's important. And so we want to set people free. I've been to funerals before where the people knew that the person that had passed was not in Christ. It was ugly. But I've also been at memorial services or funerals where everybody knew they were in Christ and all the words, there were tears because we were going to miss them. There was great joy in knowing, I will see you again. When Ruben Villegas passed, I was there the night he passed. And he got out of his bed and he was in terrible pain because he wanted to have a Bible study because it was Thursday night Bible study and we Bible study with Bill on Thursday nights. And that guy, he heard me come in and, and his sweet wife Sharon wasn't going to get him up because he was not doing well. And 
we were, Sharon and I were sitting there talking, Sharon Villegas, and all of a sudden the door opens up and he comes out. He's just, you can tell he's in pain. And he's going, I go, what are you doing? I said, we got Bible study, don't we? And he has Bible in his little walker, you know? And some people can't even get out of bed to come to the assembly. And this guy gets out of bed so he can spend a little time in the word with Jesus. I had the freedom to do anything I wanted to do on that night. There wasn't anything more valuable than me going down and spending that one last night with my brother Reuben. And sharing the scripture with him and laughing with him one last time. I'm going to laugh with him in heaven too. Brethren, that's what we're here for. That's what Jesus came for, to save and set souls free. That's what we're here for, to save and set souls free. There's, there's such joy in that. Let's close with John, Third John. We've already looked at it, but let's look at it one last time, brief. In, in Third John chapter 3. In verse, uh, chapter three, sorry, uh, third John chapter one, verse three, like there's no chapters, it's just one chapter. It's, uh, man, I love this passage of scripture. It says here, uh, verse three, for I was very glad when the brethren came and testified to your truth, that is how you are walking in truth. Now this is verse four, man, it's great. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. I'll tell you what, when I see people that I've had the privilege of teaching walking in the truth, it gets under my skin. It's the greatest thing in the world. There's nothing better than that. Philippians 2 says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, the same heart, the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Man, I love this church and it brings me great joy. I'm talking about you. You bring me great joy. When you stand up here and, and speak, Eric, I mean, it brings me great joy. That little kid playing with his Star Wars way back when, now you're a man, it's a wonderful family, two sweet daughters, and you're and you're you're willing to stand and speak, you're willing to live and build. That brings great joy to me. See, there is joy in service because now we can serve because we're free. You've been set free for a reason, it's to serve. You've been set free for a reason, it's to is to offer freedom to other people in Christ Jesus. If we forget the freedom that we have in Christ, then we will squander that freedom on everything other than what God has called us to. Just as as Americans, we've been set free to continue this great and awesome proclamation of temporal freedom. But as a whole, we've forgotten. So it's all about me. It's all about my stuff. It's not about helping other people. As Christians... We need to be the heart. Man, I'm locked onto that one, can you tell? We need to be the heart. We need to be the salt. We need to be the light. We need to be the life. 
and we need to be invested, and we need to be supportive and encouraging. Amen? That's all because we've been set free and have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. With great joy, let's go forth and be the people that God has called us to be. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, how thankful I am for the rich blessing, the wonderful blessing of freedom. But that freedom brings great joy and that great joy is manifest in our lives so that we can actually go forth with this freedom and power and serve by helping other people become Christians. Father, in this crazy time in human history, help us to look back to Jesus and realize he came into the world at an even crazier time in human history. And he lived the life and he drew all men unto himself. And now as those who have been filled with the spirit of Christ, been given the, the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ, the purpose of Christ, the faith of Christ, we can go and do the same thing in this crazy and perverse generation. Father, help us to have great joy as we go forth and help people come out of darkness and into your marvelous light. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.